First impressions aren't the most important thing. They're the only thing. At Ernie's Print Shop, we'll produce what you need to represent your company professionally. Right now, you can get 1,000 full-color business cards, 1,000 4x6 postcards, or a 3x5 banner for just $60. You choose. Check us out at Ernie'sPrintShop.com. Ernie's Print Shop. Over 50 years, one source, one solution. Ernie'sPrintShop.com. 502-969-8585. Being a victim of crime is no joke, but you do have options that can help you avoid becoming a victim. I'm Ed Springston of the My View Matters Radio Show, and on behalf of myself and co-host Ed Martin, I urge each of you to help us fight against crime. You can do your part by calling Crime Stoppers at 582 Clue. Since 1982, Crime Stoppers has helped get over 23,000 criminals off the street with your help. Working together, we can make a difference to take our streets back. Please call Crime Stoppers at 582-CLUE, or you can visit them online at www.582clue.com. Remember, Crime Stoppers always offers up to a $1,000 reward. Get involved and help make a positive change in your neighborhood. Thanks. Advertisers, here's a great way to reach a quality audience. Get heard on My View Matters and make some noise in the marketplace. Email myviewmatters at aol.com for advertising opportunities. Make a sound investment. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm not going to take this anymore! Some some comment about getting old and cranky or something, but no. Nah. 
that's my job, dude. After, after, after all the week's events, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, God, where's he going today? <laughs> you never, never know. That's the beauty of it, you know. I tell the people I all this all the time. I bet I could take my pick of four or five stories and pretty much I, I, I know where we're going, so. Well, let, let me let me know let me know how you did let me know how you did with that at the end of the show. I'm curious, all right? Uh, I will. I'm serious about that. Let me, let me know how you did at the end of the show. Uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, I mention this every now and then. I mention it again. Ed Martin and I are friends, actually, in real life. We we've done this show together for, gosh, Ed, ten years or better. Um, oh, yeah, been a long time. Been a long time. But we never ever coordinate anything. I do not tell Ed Martin what stories are going to be brought up on air. So everything you get from Ed is, is exactly pure. It's not like uh, giving him a copy or a list of what's going to happen so he's got time to prepare. So he is as cold on the subject well, matter as our audience is. And, 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 <laughs> yeah, and as is, the case, as is the case with radio, though, they don't get to see me make, you know, mouth the words WTF or something. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually I've actually seen just, him do that. My, just, just closing my yeah. eyes, just, just closing my eyes, shaking my head like, oh <laughs> no. Well, that was <laughs> well, that was a beauty. Back when we were in Clear Channel, it was always great because I got to see a few of those moments out of it because you never knew what the hell I was going to say. And uh, you know, it was funny. Back in Clear Channel, the shows were a little bit coordinated. We would meet with our guests. We had a basic principle of what we were doing. We basically did a guest every week. And uh, so we tried to bring all these people to Louisville, and, then, and it just got to be pretty routine. But every now and then, we'd get lucky and get a show to ourselves without a guest. Uh, we just wouldn't schedule one. And I got to see those looks on Martin's face, and it's always priceless, let me tell you. When you give the Ninja Warrior well, to give an old shit look, it's a good night. And Ken Mutt was good for a couple of those, too. He's like, what the hell? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I love being me. I really, really do. You know, well, we do have a lot to get into. Uh, I tell you, what I really want to start with here is, is a topic of double jeopardy. Uh, you know, for those of you guys who don't know, Trey Zwicker was a young man who was killed uh, a couple of years ago. Um, he was beat to death with a baseball bat. His stepbrother was accused of doing it. Uh, his stepbrother was Joshua Young. Um, but uh, Joshua Young's father decided to confess to the crime. Everybody knows that Josh Young was involved in it. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I think that's common knowledge, regardless of anything. And uh, this was back in 2011. In the meantime, like I said, Young's dad, Josh Galker, came forward in 2013, confessed in the killing. Galker was sentenced to life in prison in 2013. And Josh Young, the son, was acquitted of murder that same year. Well, Joshua Young has been in and out of jail and nothing but a, but a routine pain in the ass uh, for law enforcement, anybody that knows him, uh, ever since. Uh, he was like that before, from what I understand. But, so now Josh Young is sitting in jail for yet another criminal offense, uh, this time a felon um, with a handgun. And he has written a confession letter saying that he's the one who betrayed Zwicker to death with the Louisville Slugger bat. Um, it says nobody else was involved in any kind of way. It was just him, and his dad took the blame and lied for it so that he wouldn't go to jail. But even his dad wasn't there. So here's the thing. This is why I mentioned double jeopardy. Josh Young cannot be tried. He cannot be tried for this. 
It can't be tried for murder to trace liquor. Um, you know, so the double jeopardy rule applies here. He can't be tried for the murder again. He's already been tried once and acquitted. So here's the thing. His father, actually, Josh... Actually, I was going to say, actually, McAdam will probably chime in. I'm not sure double jeopardy... Double jeopardy doesn't apply if there's new evidence. And McAdam may chime in, I'm per, but I'm pretty sure that that in the event of oh. new evidence... It, it oh, no, 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 no. He cannot be tried. He cannot be tried for murder again, regardless of the evidence. A written confession is not evidence anyway. Uh, you know, it still has to be corroborated in most cases. But no, he can't be retried. So for me, I'm looking at this as a ploy. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that, that Josh Young, that the kid, was the one who, who committed this atrocious act, this murder. I do believe that his dad was involved in some way or form, regardless of, of how it's been played out. I think it was... They both were involved in it uh, in one way or fashion. But now he's basically trying to say his dad didn't have anything to do with it. Is this a play for his dad to be released based on the new evidence that he didn't do it? And can he be released? See, that's the stuff I'm wondering about. <clears throat> Personally, I think his dad should stay in jail for life. Yep. He admitted to the crime. He did it. You know, Now he's trying to get out of jail saying that he really didn't do it. Now his son is doing this jailhouse confession because he's in jail for murder. And you had to mention McAdam, didn't you? Here we go. Yep, there Hello, he is. Hello, Mr. McAdam. How are you? <laughs> I'm just fine. Uh, I have a little bit of knowledge of this case. I was originally hired by uh, uh, the young man's grandmother to represent him. And, I was aware uh, of that. Okay. A, uh, well, but I never got a chance to talk to him. What happened was... Um, I, I did talk to the grandmother. I went down to see him, and they had a court order appointing the public defender to represent him, and the public defender wouldn't let me talk to him. And so un, unless I talked to him, I couldn't uh, ask him whether he wanted me or the public defender to represent him. So we were at kind of an impasse, and uh, I think the public defender did a good job. Is that, is that common, by the way? Yes. Is that common for a public defender to, to deny private representation? Yeah, in juvenile cases it is, yes. Okay, go ahead. I was just curious. Go ahead. Uh, and wouldn't let his grandmother talk to him either. I wouldn't let anybody talk to him. I mean, he was being held completely incommunicado. The, he was, the, the child was charged with the murder, and and as soon as the first witness starts to testify in a trial, jeopardy attaches. Okay, if there's a mistrial or something prior to that time, then jeopardy hasn't attached. So it's once the first witness is sworn and begins to testify, then jeopardy attaches. Now, they couldn't get the kid for for perjury because he didn't testify. Never testified. So even if they have newly discovered evidence, there's absolutely no way that kid can ever be prosecuted for the murder. Hmm. Now, there's a question as to whether or not he really did commit the murder. Remember, you've got an adult who has confessed to the murder and is serving a sentence in jail. Um, This is is like a Hollywood movie, right? Then the Uh kid comes along and says, no, Daddy didn't do it after all. I did it. Now, right. If they let Daddy out then, then nobody gets convicted of the murder, right? And so there's right. no way of telling 
I mean, one one theory is the father lied about committing the murder so that his son wouldn't have to go to jail. That's one theory. Another theory is the son is lying about committing the murder so that he can get his father out of jail. Right. The reality might be they were both involved. The reality might be the father directed the son to beat up the stepson. Yeah. Nobody will ever that's know what the truth are. That the no. the uh, <laughs> murder weapon the murder weapon was never found. Um, whether or not it was a Louisville Slugger bat or some other kind of bat, uh, nobody knows for sure. Um, that the whole the whole case was was uh, bizarre from the from the start to the finish. There really wasn't any real good reason for murdering that little boy. Um, There's never a good this, reason for that. Well, no. uh, you know, I mean, they weren't robbing I him. It. Uh, right. it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't revenge or anything like that. It was just an act of pure meanness. And and uh, this father and son combo uh, are pretty much worthless in, individuals. The son will eventually go go away for a long time. He cannot stay out of jail. He keeps getting uh, uh, charged and convicted. He's a convicted oh, felon now. Well. And, uh, it was known, he was known. He was known to be either either that either that or his reputation will precede him, and his mouth will let it overload it, and somebody will end him. Well, he was known. He was self, known to be and, and, they'll uh, claim, and they'll claim self-defense, and the police won't question it for a second. Yeah, yeah of course. He, he was known to be a he was known to be a punk and a holy terror. You know, before the murder. I mean, this wasn't anything new. That's who this kid is. He's just evil. And, and right, I and mean, quite honestly, I think he, I, I think the apple don't fall far from the tree. I think his dad had a hell of a lot to do yeah. why he is the way he is. Um, you know, but but it's interesting to me when we look at all of this though, because the theory of double jeopardy does not apply. And you know, that was the first thing I, that, that I immediately recognized. And the second thing I immediately recognized was since he did not take the stand and testify, they can't nail him for perjury because he didn't state anything under oath. See, a lot of right. people look at this whole. A lot of people. A lot of people I've talked to have tried to use the Melignato argument, right? Well, Melignato couldn't be tried because of double jeopardy for murder, but he went to jail for perjury. So can this kid. Yeah. No, Melignato right. testified. Melignato newly, testified on his own behalf evidence, and lied about newly discovered evidence. Newly discovered evidence on Melignato was the photographs that he had hidden in the house, and he forgot about it and sold the house. Well, he had a video then, up in a heater vent. Right. The new, he had, every, the new, he had uh, everything uh, in a heater vent, yeah. Right. Right. Uh, and so they couldn't they couldn't prosecute him again for murder, but they got him on the they got him a pretty good sentence on the uh, on the perjury charge. Well, he actually served two two perjury charges. Um, he served one federal and one state. Um, you know, but that was interesting because you know that was the only reason he got nailed was he went against his lawyer's wishes. His lawyers told him not to testify, and he wanted to anyway. And uh, so. His lawyer reluctantly allowed him to testify. That's what actually got him jail time was his own testimony. As soon as right. he lied about that, you know, once the evidence was found, then we could prove that he committed perjury under oath. So that was the thing with Bellignano. And, and I'm trying to make sure these people I talk to, they don't seem to get Char- that. They Charlie think that Ricketts, if you lie, it's automatically there. Your friend Charlie Ricketts was a defense lawyer in that case, huh? and and huh? The, uh, the the prosecutor was Ernie Jasmine. Uh, who was the Commonwealth oh, really? attorney? Yeah, but they took it up. They the, because of the pretrial publicity, they tried it in Northern Kentucky, 
so they gave it a jury that wasn't, I guess, biased by all the newspaper coverage. Right. Uh, right. And and Charlie got him off. Charlie convinced the jury, and uh, in, in, you know, in, in the, that that he didn't do it, or that there was insufficient evidence. Well, you know, truthfully, yeah, and truthfully, truthfully, Charlie was right at the time. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, there was no doubt in my mind that Melignato was guilty, but from a legal perspective, you really didn't have a strong evidentiary case. Um, you know, it's basically circumstantial and hearsay stuff. So, right. you know, it's hard to get, it's hard to get a murder conviction on it. Of course, we have my telling, right? But um, you know, well, but that was the thing. Had a, they had a co-defendant. They had this this woman that helped bury the body, and she was testifying yeah. against him. But but uh, sure. uh, Ernie Jasmine was a good prosecutor, God rest his soul. But he uh, he was not able to convince that jury that uh, Melignato committed the murder. Uh, right. So that's that, that's one thing that uh, I, I think we really need to look at. I, I, I agree with the law of double jeopardy. Uh, but in this particular case, I'm like you, I think this Josh Young, of course, he wrote this from jail. I think he's definitely trying to help his dad get out of jail. And I don't think right. that his, his confession has any legal merit whatsoever. Uh, now, that's that's the question. I mean, does does this confession have any legal merit? Does it raise any doubt whatsoever to let his dad out of jail? You know, considering it's his kid and, and he wants his dad out of jail, does that come into play? What's the thought process when something like that happens? Because I don't know. Well, uh, you know, obviously the the father's uh, attorneys can use that as a basis of an appeal uh, by saying that somebody else has come forward and admitted to the crime. But it's going to be hard for them to get around the guilty plea. It's going to be hard for them to get around the confession that the father gave in court that he committed the crime. In other words... We know he was lying at least once, and right. so to get a jury to get a jury to overturn that. Now, if the father had been convicted on circumstantial evidence alone, and oh. without a confession, without a plea of guilty, uh, then somebody else's confession might be material to reopening the case. But in this situation, I don't think the father has a prayer of getting out of jail. Uh, see, that's my thought. You know, it would be different if, it, you know, I don't know the father or the son on a personal level. If I walked in with a confession, okay, I think, you know, ultimately I don't think it would matter, but I ultimately think if I walked in with a confession, they might actually take a second to think about it. But the fact that his own son is out there putting in a, putting in a confession, especially since he was pretty much known to be involved, I mean, it's common sense, you know what I mean? I don't think there's any weight whatsoever given to it. I think it's just trying to last-ditch effort because his daddy has become somebody's bitch in jail and he don't like it much. You know, tough. Bend over, take it. You earned it. Um, all right. Let's move on a little bit here because i got a couple of things I want to get into tonight. Um, we now have a better look at what Greg Fisher's tax increase looks like. Uh, Greg Fisher, obviously, now he wants to triple Louisville's insurance premium tax. Uh, to go ahead and fund the pension and, and avoid any major cuts to the budget. The problem here is this. He wants to go ahead and do this to home insurance, marine and life insurances, uh, everything but vehicle insurance. Now, one of the reasons he's trying to avoid vehicle insurance is Jessica Green. Uh, Councilwoman Jessica Green is screaming that that's unfair to minorities and black people, which she's making it a race issue. If you do the vehicle insurance tax increase, it disproportionately affects the poor, 
the homes and all the other stuff because of the West End and, and the low and heavy minority communities would have to pay more taxes as well. Now, here's the thing for me. I'm totally against this whole tax bullshit, 100%. And the other part of this, one of the other reasons I'm against this is when you increase the home insurance and then you want to try to claim that this is unfair to minorities and everybody else and play the race card like Jessica Green is doing, and don't get me wrong, she's right when she says it's going to affect the poor, you know, and a minority community, not necessarily a minority community, but the poor community, it's going to affect them more because they have less disposable income. But when you look at this, you talk about the home insurance, and then, and then you bring in Jessica Green's argument that it's going to disproportionately affect the poor people. Well, let's be real clear here, all right? Now, this is one that's going to get my foot in my mouth, and this is one that's going to piss off and offend a lot of people, and you guys know I really don't care. But if you're going to sit here and scream about, uh, about the poor communities and the West End and everything else and all these different places, then let's look at the reality. How many of those places are government-paid Section 8 housing? Yes, I know that people in Section 8 have to pay a couple of dollars a month towards their rent, maybe, maybe $50 towards an $800 a month rent. But we also know that when these taxes go up for home insurance and things like that, all right, uh, anytime taxes go up, it's going to be passed off, if it can be, if it can be, being the key words here, to the consumer. So if you're one of these slumlords who's running Section 8 housing, and I use slumlords intentionally, folks, Section 8 housing is never taken care of. These guys pocket your government money, and they do the best they can not spend a dime on it. I've seen quite a few of these Section 8 places, and I'd be totally appalled at the rundown maintenance. I'm not talking about the upkeep out of people who live there, because if you don't have skin in the game, you're really not going to take care of it. But if you look at this, then who's going to foot the majority of the money when it comes to these Section 8 homes? We, the taxpayer. So not only are we going to raise taxes on this kind of stuff, then we're going to, have to put out more money for Section 8 and everything else. So when does that leave the state or the feds? They have to raise taxes to absorb it to that cost. And that's the circle jerk to me. Ed? <clears throat> well, you know, I, the cost always gets passed on. Now, the way Section 8 is figured, it's, it's based on the 40th percentile. So, yeah, if, uh, if the cost of, of rental properties in the area go up, then the Section 8 payment goes up. <clears throat> Which you know that happens. Of course, now when you talk Section Eight, no no shortage of uh, news articles and stuff about uh, city building inspectors and code inspectors that do a miserable job on public in subsidized housing. So it's like, hey, mayor, you want to cut some costs? Cut those losers. But uh, you know, aside from all that, I, I I get the whole debt, and I and I actually try to I take a different tack to it. I look at that and think, okay, so we're $16 million in the, you know, in, in arrears to the pension. It's an invaluable contract, whatever, because some, some politician 60 years ago or something thought that'd be a cool word to put in. Utter dumbass. But, um, right. The thing, the question I have is just, okay, this is a, this is whatever they're saying, you know, a, a 16 million or however many millions. And it's a, it's over four years. Is what they're saying. It's a four-year. You know, we, we've got. We're, we're going to have to make these additional payments, and the and the the, the numbers that are throwing around right now are basically ex, they're they're expand they're extended over four years. This is a four-year deficit. They talk. My question. Well, is, so they say, but we both know the tax will never go away. Go ahead. That's what I'm going to ask. It's like if this is a crisis and he needs to raise it. Oh, we're going to have to cut. 
you know, this has got to be done because we have to pay the bill, and, you know, for the next four years, or we'll have to cut public protection and stuff. Okay, magic word here, magic words, four years. After four years, you're going you're gonna to rescind this uh, additional tax and give it back to us or not? Now, I think we all know the answer to that, at which point I call bullshit. You know what? If you've got an emergency situation, you need my money. I'm, I'll listen. I'll hear you out. Yeah, it's an emergency situation. The city could probably be sued for it. Then we may actually find ourselves in all sorts of a, you know, a real pickle to have the money extracted. Kind of like the IRS takes from you, you know, right away. They want, they want it up front. Do, well, I have do to keep we have a sun, Do we do we have a sunset on it? I, let's just say I'm in an agreeable mood for the moment. And all right, I'll do my share to, to keep the pension solvent so that the state's right. credit rating doesn't get blown out of the water and the city has to f- take care of its obligations that it would get sued for and lose anyway. Okay, as a, as a good citizen, I'll chip my part in for your four-year crisis. At the end of four years, are you giving it? Are you going to? Are you going to rescind it? And do we go back and you remove this insurance surcharge, this insurance tax that you're putting on me? If not, I'm going to call bullshit on it. I'm going to call you a lying son of a bitch. It's just using this crisis, using a four-year crisis to hang a 40-year tax on me, and you can go kiss my ass if that's what he's about. If that's what the mayor's about, he can kiss my ass. See, that's the thing because in four years you're used to the tax and you don't pay attention to it anymore. So they're going to go ahead. So they're, they're going to go ahead and keep it. They never, they never sunset a tax increase, you know. And here's the thing for me: they say we have to have 35 million dollars in this upcoming fiscal year. They blame it on pensions, increased health care costs, and lower than projected revenues. So they overestimate the revenues instead of living within a budget. They do this all the time. You know, that, oh, that's the biggest. That's the biggest fallback. Absolutely. Always in an election year. That is the biggest fallback lying position that's ever there. Anytime you don't make your daggone budget work, oh, well, it's lower than projected revenues. No, it's not. It's not living within your means. You know, attributable to pensions. Well, if they'd have been taking care of this crap all along, we wouldn't be in this position. But the increased health care costs, you know. And I look at these three excuses that they're giving us, and I can't help but keep thinking. Now, I understand. I'm not Alexandria Ortez. Um, you know, I'm not her. So this I understand. There's a difference between tax and breaks and tax money, okay? Um, you know, you give somebody a tax break, that means they're not paying taxes on what they make for a certain period of time. That's a tax break. That's not real money. Um, you know, if you give somebody upfront money, that's different. And the thing is, we continue bringing in 4th Street Live. We brought them in on basically a revenue sharing plan that we've never shared a dime on. Uh, we've, we, we've done all of this for Omni. Uh, we're giving away land that we could otherwise sell. We talked about Churchill Downs last week as being one option, uh, you know, that we could sell to make up every bit of it. You know, all these different things are going on, but these people don't want to admit that their policies are the failure, which has led to everything here. And unfortunately, we don't have a Republican Party in Jefferson County who really gives a shit. If your name's not Mitch McConnell in Jefferson County, you don't matter. You know, so here's what we've got. We've got an upcoming mayoral election here in a couple of years. All the Democrats are posturing now. Jessica Green is posturing against Greg Fisher on this a little bit. So is Brent Ackerson. David James is posturing with Mayor Fisher and agreeing on this. 
So the Democrats are staking their claim right now. Regardless of what they believe, they're taking sides on whatever seems politically expedient to run for the Democratic nomination in the next primary for mayor. I'm curious if the Republicans are finally going to put up a credible source or if they're going to let Bob DeVore go out there and get his ass beat again because he's worthless. <laughs> you know, this, this is, but see, this is, what, this is what creates all of these problems. This is what creates all these problems because nobody has an alternative. We're down to, I think, uh, what, five Metro Council members who are Republicans? Because the Republicans choose not to engage in the, in the local politics uh, in favor of Mitch McConnell. That's the John McCarthy bullshit. So, you know, we, we look at all of this stuff, and I continue seeing this increased health care costs. That's a given. You have to plan for that. Lower than projected revenues. That's because you don't want to do your job right. Pensions. Why weren't we funding these things for the last 20 years under Democrats, right? All of these things add up. So I've, I've got a big problem with him asking for any dime at all. Uh, Jessica Green, I actually agree with this. You know, in some cases, you are going to, you know, raise it for, for the poor who are going to have to pay a little more money. You know, $10 a month to you or me might not mean that much. $10 a month to somebody who, who lives paycheck to paycheck who doesn't have a dime in their pocket means everything. You know, so all of those things add up. And the fact that all this is going to come right back to the government through Section 8 housing as one example, um, then, then you've got the, the circle jerk that's going to continue. And that, that's my problem. So I think we need to shut Fisher down on this. If he wants to do what you suggested and put a sunset provision in it, you know, maybe I'll take a different look at it. But what I've seen so far right now is disturbing. Yeah. It's not anything yeah. we need to worry about. Yeah. You know, so I agree with that. That's what gets it for me. It's like this is, this is I understand that crisis has come along. You and I have known for years that the state pension was basically screwed. So look, I, I don't, I don't doubt these these inputs. I don't doubt that at all. But you're saying, like you said, 35 million. You got to have 16 million first year. Yada yada yada. Okay, good. Like I said, you're talking four years. After four years, scale it back. Otherwise, otherwise, sorry, but I'm just going to have to sit back and call the mayor totally full of shit on this one because if you're not going to scale it back if it's not the emergency you say it is and this is a long term thing you come out and say it and explain it but you can't so you know what do you think I'm, I'm like you just said if there's a sunset date on it I'm going to calm down a little bit I'm willing to hear you out as for, you know, speaking of you being the mayor if there's not a sunset right. date on it I'm calling straight up bullshit this is a four-year excuse for a lifetime of taxes, and nope, ain't buying it. Not buying it, not buying it for a second. Well, I'll agree with that. Let's bring Paul in real quick. Paul, you're on the air. I think that um, Greg Fisher needs to get lost in a different state. What do you think? <laughs> he, uh, Cali- California. He would fit California. Oh, absolutely. Yes, I, just, for, just for the listening... Just for the listening audience, the reason I laughed when you said loss is is he's been trying to get this local sales tax for a couple of years. That's what this is really about. He can't get the local that sales tax passed. And what they what they labeled it here in Louisville was the local option sales tax or the acronym loss. That's why I laughed when Paul said that. Go ahead. Well, and yeah, that's exactly why I called in. This is all about getting that done. That's all it is. And so he is taking a gamble, hoping that we, the uh, excuse me, hoping that the state legislature will acquiesce because we, the people, 
our precedent zoom in over this 200% increase in the local insurance tax, uh, and right. that, that, that the legislature will grant him and all the other cities in the Commonwealth the opportunity to have this local option sales tax. Okay. That, that's, Ed, you've got it. This is all, uh, this is the whole game plan. Fisher is not, he's not that bright of a guy. He's not. And uh, he could not have possibly thought this. Well, maybe he did think this up himself, but um, this is not the way to do that. All right. Now, I have a, a, right. another thought on that real quick. Um, okay. For the last two terms, Fisher has not been particularly controversial. Okay. And I think that here in his final term, He's willing to be controversial because I honestly believe that he's received marching orders from the Louisville ruling elite group that said that, and they said, look, Fisher, we've supported your sorry buck for eight years. Now it's time for you to do what we want. And I think Fisher is out there carrying the water for some vested and special interest types here in the Louisville area. Well, I totally agree with that. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Fish, Fisher is the puppet on a string, or the dog on a leash, if you will. Uh, there's no doubt about that in my mind anyway. And he uh, and he does plan on running for another office, whether that's governor or whether that's for John Yarmie, you see, because Yarmie is going to retire. I don't know. But, you know, all I do know is, you know, one thing, Fisher isn't smart enough to come up with this. Fisher has never accomplished anything in his life. His dad had a hell of a lot of Thank accomplishments. God. And Fisher, his dad had a hell of a lot of confidence, and Fisher is taking credit for everything his dad's done. Fisher has not accomplished anything, as far as I'm concerned. He doesn't have the brain job gave a goose, and all a goose does is walk around quacking shit, okay? That's all Fisher's good for, in my opinion. But, you know, the reality is that this is all about the local officer sales tax. The powerful elite did not get that through. They tried for the last two terms. That's why, that's why Fisher didn't have to go out and be controversial. The powerful elite was trying for the local officer sales tax. Fisher headed that up and took credit for it. Uh, you know, but that was the last two terms. There really wasn't any, any reason for him to be controversial because they actually thought that was going to get passed. Now they're out of options with the Republicans uh, securing the majorities in the House and the Senate here in Kentucky in the last election. That caught them off guard. Now the gloves are off. Let's play hardball. Let's see what we can get. That's what I think is going on. So I'll agree with you to, to some degree on that. Um, you know, more news going on here in Kentucky. It's, it's really fascinating to me. Uh, the Senate has passed a bill. This is probably one Ed expected me to get into. A Senate has passed a bill to eliminate a permit requirement for concealed weapons. Um, I, you know, I was going to get out in front of it. I didn't think you were going this one. Okay, but let's go. <laughs> oh, wow. I thought that would have been an easy one for you. So, so okay. Let it, let, it be, um, let it be. matter. Um, but the reciprocal states, for example, 
Now, right now, Indiana, Illinois, and a whole host, I think it's 23 other states, they have a reciprocal license uh, in which Kentucky. So if we go to those states with concealed carry, we can conceal carry there as well. Without the need for that concealed carry permit, I don't think that this will extend beyond uh, the state of Kentucky. I don't think Indiana is going to let us go into Indiana without a concealed carry permit uh, just because Kentucky doesn't require one. So I, I can see where this comes uh, com- comes into some question for some people. For me personally, I don't think you need a concealed carry permit, and here's why. I know a lot of people don't like that and everything else, but damn it, every criminal out there doesn't have a concealed carry permit. Ninety percent of them are illegal weapons to begin with, all right, and you don't know where that's going to come from. You know, I mean, let's think facts here, folks. Most of the stuff that's going on in the criminal world that involves guns aren't involving law-abiding citizens who acquired their guns legally and just decided on a whim, hey, I think I'll just go rob a 7-Eleven and shoot the clerk. It don't work that way. I really don't care whether we have a concealed carry permit or not. The other interesting thing here is, too, everybody's screaming that, you know, well, you should have to have, you should be required to take a firearm safety class in order to carry a concealed weapon. Really? Because I can open carry right now in Kentucky, and there's no requirement for me to take a firearm safety class at all. There is no requirement in most states that to force you to take a firearm safety class in order to own and operate a gun. Only if you're going to conceal carry is that required. So, you know, that's a bullshit argument. That's one of those straw man things anyway. Um, you know, I don't see a problem with the bill, but I can see where it will not extend to other places. I personally don't think that this bill is going to make that much of a difference in Kentucky because a lot of people who conceal carry go to Indiana or Illinois or Tennessee or all these other places, and they like to take their guns with them. I don't think they're going to be a violation of the serious crime in some states. So that's my thought on it, Ed. Well, my thought, you know, I, I'm i sort of torn on it. I'm winning. I, you know, I see you can open carry, you can own guns as long as you're not a convicted felon, you're of age. <clears throat> the, uh, but personally, you know, I'm a little uncomfortable with it. It's, you know, and it's just, like I say, I, I understand it, uh, the legal aspects of it, the constitutional aspects of it. But that just makes me a little easy to think that, that every Barney Fife wannabe can, you know, basically pack it under under his under his uh under his jacket or whatever, which, you know, also also creates a, to, to me it also creates, you know, if, if you haven't taken the courses and I is I haven't taken the course myself, but I understand that that a lot of it has to do with the uh the fact that, that they have to, you, you have to understand the laws, personal, you know, private property laws and stuff. And, you know, it's like, hey, you might have a concealed carry, but if it says no firearms, you know, people have to be brought up to speed with that. You know, as a property owner, yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure I'm real comfortable with going to the movies and somebody who has no, no, basic understanding of the law thinks, well, hell, it's legal for me to carry it in my jacket going to the movie theater with it. Uh, you know, I like it. But along the same lines, yeah, I've said before, if, uh, if, if you can conceal carry without a permit, it's just the way it is in Kentucky. I'm also not going to say that I probably won't do it some, too. You know, it's just 
enough to keep people guessing: is he packing or not? <laughs> you know? But I, I see I see both sides of it, and I, you know, and the and the reciprocate and the, the reciprocation laws that other mm-hmm. states. Yeah, if I was gonna carry, I would uh, I would definitely uh, reciprocity. I think they call it. Yeah, I would definitely still get a concealed carry because you know it might be it might be a little more wild wild west in Kentucky. But like I said, across the bridge into Indiana. You might, you might just as soon as you land on the other side of the river, you might be illegal. What is that noise? I think it might be Paul. Paul, I'm going to throw you in the queue for just a second and find out. Uh, yeah, it was Paul. Let's try well, this again. Let's bring it back so you can clear it up. Oh, I cleared up. It cleared up. It cleared up. Paul, you're back on. You're you're back live. Um, you know, I agree with you, and and that's the thing. You know, I understand it's a it's a tense subject. Not really sure which way to go. But when I look at the Colorado theater shooting, for example, you know, the, this guy went in concealed without a concealed carry permit, um, you know, and shot up a whole theater. Most of these mass shootings, these people are walking around, even the ones with legal guns. You know, the the Las Vegas shooter had legal guns, wasn't a concealed carry permit, but he, he shot from a hotel. Uh, you know, all these different things, I, I just honestly don't really think it matters anymore. At one time, I understood it. Nowadays, there's so many people with guns, especially criminals and people who are going to do harm to others, um, that I think it's just an equalizer to not have to worry about that. Mayo, you're on the air. Hey, gentlemen. How y'all doing tonight? Good. How are you? Yes, pretty good. Since you mentioned her uh, her name, I'm just kind of curious. Your thought, I mean, kind of a two two part deal here. Uh, Ocasio Freshface Cortez costing <laughs> New Yorkers. I, if I remember the numbers correctly from the article, $20 billion in tax revenue over 10 years because it was 8,000 8, jobs, each job $150,000 or more, not including all the surrounding support, you know, grocery stores, et cetera, uh, you know, money that would have been an influx, you know, them dropping out. And, and, you know, that doesn't seem too progressive to me. And then the second <laughs> thing is, if Mr. McAdams is still on the line, my uh, delivery job, States that I cannot carry a weapon while I'm working, but yet KRS statutes. I mean, I know that you, you know, we're talking since you were talking about the concealed carry deal. Uh, uh-huh. KRS statutes that you state that in a vehicle you can keep a firearm in a manufactured compartment. You can't stick it under your seat, but you can put it in your console, right. your glove box, or if you got a map pocket built into your door or something, you can carry a, a gun there. So I'm just kind of oh, curious, absolutely. Mr. McAdams' thoughts on. Uh, the difference between a, an employer saying you can't protect yourself versus the Kentucky, you know, the KRS statute saying that, well, I have a right to carry a weapon in my vehicle. And now this concealed thing saying, oh, well, you don't even need a concealed carry permit. Well, I just went through the queue and it looks like McAdam had to drop off for a few minutes. So I don't know if he'll call back in or not. Um, you know, and I agree with you there. I, um, you know, the thing about the employer, the employer's, when you deal with the laws, you know, the, the state laws and federal laws and things like that, and gun ownership and stuff, you're essentially dealing with, with public access. I get that. But employers are a little bit different breed. You might own a business, but it's still a private business that may be open to the public. Uh, you know, now the, the controversy with that comes into the old smokers argument, right? Um, you know, a, a private mm-hmm. business does not have the right to, to allow smokers in their business you know, um, so why why do they have the right to deny gun owners in their business? I don't know. Um, you know, it, it's just it, that that's the hypocrisy of some of the way the laws work, in my opinion. Um, personally, uh, you know, uh, 
I carry. I've uh, got no problem carrying. When you have a gun put in your face, you decide that's the way you're going to go. I've been carrying for 10 years now. Um, you know, that's just the way it is. Uh, I did that to protect myself and my family. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, folks, there's haters out there who haven't liked me for a long time. That's life. Um, but, you know, you deal with this stuff. So I don't know what the answer is to that question. As far as uh, Ocasio-Cortez, this is somebody who majored in foreign policy and, and couldn't tell you the first thing about anything when it comes to foreign policy. And she had a minor in math. Um this woman doesn't know what two plus two is, doesn't know the difference between a tax break and actually giving away money. The Amazon jobs you're talking about was actually 25,000 total jobs, counting support staff. It was $27 billion in tax revenue over 22 years. And they were giving tax breaks or incentives, if you will, for $3 billion of that. Billion. that they didn't yeah. have. So, you know, it's the dumbest thing in the world. And her and Elizabeth Warren immediately go out because Elizabeth Warren is trying to think she's going to be president someday, which is laughable in itself. So they immediately go out and start saying, yay, hooray, we just screwed them. And then Ocasio Cortez actually went public the other day and was trashing Amazon that the reason that that, that she had to do this was because of Amazon's, uh, I'm probably going to not get this correct, so I'll paraphrase, was because of Amazon's inhumane working conditions. Now, I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with Amazon at all. $15 an hour to start is inhumane? (laughs) Well, we're not talking about, we're not seeing inhumane working conditions. That's not necessarily pay mail. Now, I I know plenty of people who work at Amazon. Uh, Here in Louisville, everybody knows somebody that works at Amazon. We've got one right there in Brooks, right? And surrounding areas. And, And it's fascinating to me because everybody that I talk to, bar none, Brags about what a great place Amazon is to work at. So Jeff Bezos goes out and tells her, if you think we're inhumane, I'll let you go to any plant you want to, anytime you want to, unannounced. Go take a look for yourself. And, of course, she won't do it. So, you know, that's the difference between people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about and people who do. She's a nut job. Hey, you know, she should have never hey, been elected. Yeah. Hey. You know what's great about that situation? And I I love this. Bezos is a well-known heavy funder of liberal causes. And for this woman to attack somebody on her side is priceless. It's priceless. She's an idiot. Go ahead, Ed. Well, I I was going to say, you know, as with many people, I do – sometimes question how Amazon can make $11 billion and pay no net taxes, no federal taxes. I'm not sure, you know, that that's not exactly the, the best way to run things, but I do understand why states do it. And what it does show you, yeah, she's an idiot, because uh, you don't you don't crap on something like that, because, you know, the, the fact is, is She's she's treating this like some kind of victory, and even if it was, which it isn't for New York, even if it was some kind of victory for the little guy, some kind of victory for the taxpayer, it's not. Because I can assure you, Jeff Bezos had them lined up around the corner, making similar offers. So guess what? Uh, AOC, as they like to call her. And Elizabeth Warren, uh, they they were going to show us how tough they are, and they're going to they're going to flaunt the fact that they, you know, Yahoo, we shut Amazon down. It's like, sweetheart, 
You know, if you really did study economics, then you'll understand you didn't shut jack shit down because Chicago's going to line up, Atlanta's going to line up, Miami's going to line up, Oklahoma City's going to line up, everybody's going to right. Yeah, New York lost hey. it. So I got, I got news for you, AOC and, and Elizabeth Warren. Bezos is going to be just fine because there, there are no shortage of cities and states that would love to have his business. Now, is it the greatest? Is it the greatest investment a state can make, giving away billions of dollars in tax, you know, tax relief or something to draw them in? Maybe not, but it's going to happen, and Jeff Bezos is going to be just fine. And New York is going to get, is going to have squat to show for it. Somebody else will long term realize the benefits of having a, a monster like Amazon located in their city. So, yeah. I think that's it. And, and the and, other fun thing is, is, like you said, like Bezos, big Democrat donor. And even de Blasio, who is as big a left-wing nut job as there is, the mayor of New York, and, and Cuomo, it's like all of them have lost. Even de Blasio says Ocasio-Cortez needs to shut the hell up. She has no idea what she's talking about. She's making a fool out of herself in this state, which is like, wow, if you're a liberal and you got that liberal coming down on you, you have really stepped in it, sweetheart. Absolutely. Go ahead, Paul. Uh, here on a local basis, we have our own AOC who shut down a major uh, business location down in western Louisville, a part of the area that really, really needed this particular business, and that would be uh, socialist, communist, liberal um, woman from the West End, who uh, Attica Woodson Scott, who shut down the Walmart effort because uh, yeah. Walmart was ready to go. They were ready to go. So, Absolutely. so here we've got two different liberal. Uh, socialist that that one's on a national scale and one's on a local scale, and yet and yet they continue screwing over the very people that they claim they care about. Yeah, right. this is amazing. Right, right, and that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's fascinating, and and I, you know, I hate to to do it, but even even Attica Scott, I mean Attica Scott, even even Alexandria Cortez, okay? I mean, she's sitting there. Doing all this garbage, and she don't know shit from Steinola. I mean, here's a girl who is a bartender. A bartender thinks she knows anything about government, thinks she knows anything about the way things work. Now, you know, I'm not knocking anybody for their job, but I, but I think you should have some basic knowledge if you're going to open your mouth about anything. You know, and the fact of the matter is, Ed, you're 100% right. You know, somebody's going to go ahead and buy for that dag on Amazon headquarters, and somebody's going to get it. So she just threw away a net of at least $24 billion in taxes over, over what, 22 years or something like that. She threw away a net because she doesn't understand how basic economy works. From what I understand, she has a 480 credit score. At least that's what's floating around. So she she, she doesn't know how to take care of much. You know, and I'm not knocking anybody who goes through hard times. Well, I'm not knocking anybody who goes through hard times. It happens, but... But, you know, I mean, I get that much. But at the same time, you've got to have a basic knowledge. You know, if, if shit happens, and it does, I get that. But if shit happens, you've got to have a basic knowledge on how to 
you know, recognize what you did wrong and how to fix that. And she doesn't have a basic understanding or a knowledge of, of money, and yet here she was. You know, she, she supposedly knows about that from school. And what does Nancy Pelosi do? She puts this uh, job on the finance committee. <laughs> so now yeah. she's going to be sitting here on the finance committee trying to determine money in the U.S. I don't get this kind of stuff. I really, really don't. Well, no, I, I know why. I know why. I know why. I'm Nancy listening. wants to, I, Nancy wants to too. educate her. Well, uh, I, I, Nancy I wants to educate that. her and say, watch over her. I was <laughs> going to say, I think it has more to do with, you know, it, it, whenever she starts running, rambling, I think of the old Mark Twain thing. It's better to it's better to leave people in doubt about whether you're an idiot or not than to open your, open your mouth and remove all doubt. Hey, oh yeah, absolutely. That's the thing I think she's missing out on. Her. She, it's like, look, she might have been smart in school. She might be smart, but it's you know, it's like they say when we were kids. You know, make sure your brain is engaged. Make sure your brain is in gear before engaging your mouth. Everybody said that in J-Town But the thing is is She just just rolls with stuff And it's like, you know, look Speaking of rolling She must be a rolling professor I get it She likes the headlines She likes the attention Turn the cameras on and she'll go You know But at some point, somebody needs to get hold of her And say, look, you know You are going to burn bright You're going to burn kind of crazy but you're not going to burn very long up here because you are you are really coming off as an idiot right now. And make no mistake, you know the there's problem, a lot of big there's a lot of big money in New York that's going to come out against her because they that's not even New York as liberal as they that's not what they want. Even Bernie Sanders knows better than to vote for gun control, being from where he's from. You don't do that, you know. So. And that's the thing is I just say she's, she's amazing to watch. And she turned the cameras right. on, and she can't she, using a double negative here. She can't not say something. She has to say something if there's a camera there. It's just like you know you could just smile and walk by and say yeah okay no comment today I got I got to go in here. And do right. But no, she's got to stop. She's got to share her opinion with you, and that's just. Maybe that's a millennial thing she's got going, but my gosh. Oh, well, you know, that's, that, that's the whole thing. I, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I am just constantly amazed uh, that, that she gets away with this shit. And quite honestly, really, if the election were held tomorrow, I think she would, I think she would win re-election. Because New Yorkers are that stupid. Uh, and I don't know why it's that way. They just are. Um, in the meantime, i got one more story I kind of want to get to. Um, and we have to do this one quick, and I know you got to jump in. This whole Jesse Smollett attack. There's, the, there's all that background noise again. Uh, I've got a lot of it. Yeah, I'm getting some too. Paul, I had to put you in the queue, buddy. Uh, but this whole Jesse Smollett attack. Uh, Jesse Smollett, for anybody who don't know, is, is an openly gay black man who... Uh, acts in a show called Empire. Um, anyway, he goes out on January the 29th, states that he was attacked by two white men wearing masks uh, 
uh, had bleach poured on him and a noose put around his neck, uh, screaming at him about, you know, MAGA, you know, trying to make it look like Trump supporters had attacked him. There is not one recorded incident that I know anywhere of a Trump supporter attacking anyone. We see the liberals attacking all the Trump supporters in a MAGA hat, but we don't see it the other way. So this guy makes up this big old story, and I say he makes up intentionally. Uh, he calls the police, has a noose around his neck and everything else. Ironically, these two guys beat the hell out of him, but he didn't drop his Subway sandwich. Still able to stay on his phone. <laughs> refuses to turn his phone records over to the police, and when he does, there's large portions that have been redacted or gotten rid of. Refuses to talk to the police again. Uh, the police picked up two Nigerians who had, one of them is, is Jesse Smollett's personal trainer, um, and the other one is a friend or a brother involved in some way or another who may have acted on Empire with Jesse Smollett as a guest star. So all these things are going on. These two brothers turn down on Smollett and say, hey, he paid us to stage the attack. So now, needless to say, Smollett obviously can't be gotten a hold of or anything else. There are uh, unsubstantiated allegations right now or alleged things going on that Smollett will uh, face the grand jury next week. Um, all of the cases are that he did this to himself. And, and it's fascinating to me that immediately, as soon as this thing was brought up, as soon as this thing was brought up, you've got Nancy Pelosi, Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, all of these morons, oh, Democratic efforts, screaming oh, and everything else. Yeah, the list goes on and on. Screaming and yelling about this as a modern-day lynching and racism and everything else. Now, as soon as we're finally getting to the truth, Nancy Pelosi scrubs her text messages about it. Uh, Al Sharpton says Swallow deserves the best that the law can give. Al Sharpton should know because he falsified a story about a rape concerning a girl named Twana Bradley back in his day as an activist. Yeah. Uh, you know, Cory Booker now says, well, I'm going to wait for more information to come in. He has backed off of his statements. And Kamala Harris, of course, <laughs> has has went out there and uh, with Jesse Smollett, uh, you know, out there parading around and standing up together against different things. So they're good friends. So you look at all of this stuff, you know, and, and you've got to keep asking yourself, why is it that the mainstream media goes out and puts this all over there like this really happened, and you're not really seeing that much coverage about the fact that it was all a hoax? All of a sudden, that disappeared. On the same day this happened, on the same day this happened, we actually did have a serious hate crime go on. Um, a child was abused. Um it's disturbing. On the same day that this happened with this moron, this Smollett lies about this, a child was involved in a hate crime. And this is what's disturbing to me. Because when we look at this, you know, this was uh, a mentally disabled teen was kidnapped, tied up for five hours and scalped, and beaten by four people all on live stream, all screaming, fuck Trump and fuck white people while they're beating this mentally disabled teen. And the media totally ignored this. That's a real hate crime. And they totally ignored it to go along with the lie that is Jesse Smollett. You know, 
And the thing is, I, it's, it's fascinating because I look at this stuff. And I'm going to get to you in just a second. I just want to get this out. And I look at this stuff, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, we really do have real hate crimes going on in this country. And quite frankly, it isn't white people against black people. In most cases, it's black people against white these days. It's, it's Trump haters against Trump lovers these days. Uh, that seems to be the majority of the hate crimes going on. But those are never reported in favor of pushing a narrative down our throat. Ed, go ahead. This kind of shit just pisses me off. Go ahead. <clears throat> well, I, I'm not going to get into the to the to the whole hate crime aspect of it. But, but the thing that I look at is, and of course, and I've shared my opinion on 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 uh, social media. But I think when you have things like uh, false reports, which they're you know some are real, some are in fact false. We've seen plenty of false reports. If you all you got to do is look for them, media doesn't make them real easy to find. But I think the false reports should carry a, a similar sentence to whatever the crime alleged. And that goes, and I'm telling you, that goes for for people, for, for, for white women who accuse, you know, black football players and stuff. There's been numerous cases of that. You know, they, they anything like that, rape, assault, anything. It, I think the, the false accusations need to be, we, we need to come around where we prosecute them more vigorously. First and foremost. Now, the thing that gets me about the Smollett thing is, and is this is what this is what ought to terrify people, is this guy was he was going with it. You know, he was he was running with it. He he had the media going with him. He had the activists going with him. You know, and, and the media actually did turn pretty quick when they started thinking, wait a minute, this is not exactly. And in the media, most of the media actually, you know, they kind of. They did a pause and they thought, oh, crap, we've been sucked in again. <laughs> you, can, you can sense that. But what, right. what bothers me the most is, is I'm thinking, you know, how fortunate we were, that, or that anybody was, that, that all the security cameras only picked up the two guys and that, and that the police were patient enough and thorough enough to pin it down to these two guys. Because had they just gone off half-cocked, like uh, everybody did with the, the Covington Catholic kids and stuff. I hate to think of what would have happened if, if you say two white guys just would have been in the general area. And Smollett, I, I have this feeling that this, this sociopath, this narcissist would have, would have continued with it. And there's a real possibility that an ass like this, a, a, and I'm going to say he's a monster, a monster like this, would have fingered two guys if they'd have brought this. Okay, we caught these two white guys in the area. You know, we went back. Yeah, they're Trump supporters. And Smollett would would Smollett have said, "Yeah, they're the ones. They're the ones." I recognize. I recognize. Yes, they. You know, and two completely innocent people could have gone to prison from right. ten for ten to life. And that's what gets me about this. Is like, and I understand there's a certain dysfunction with people, and I'm gonna. You know, especially when you're Hollywood and stuff. Let's face it, they don't. They're not hardwired the same way that people like us are. You know, they're different. But that's what bothers me the most. Is I'm looking at it thinking, what if, what if two, two white guys, as Smollett said they were, would have just happened to been in the area, and what if that happened? They got picked up on a security camera, and would have got picked up by the police, and the media would have run with it. And completely destroyed them. I mean, even if they were acquitted, 
doesn't matter. You ruined the media would have ruined you like they did like they did the guy that was uh, you know at Centennial Park in the uh, the Olympic bombing in Atlanta. Right. They would have ruined them, and that's that's the thing that gets me. Whatever cry for attention this was or whatever, that's pathetic. But the fact that you were willing to think, you know, you you may have in all likelihood you would have carried this thing out to its end. You could have seen innocent people go to prison to serve your self, whatever fantasy your your need for self-importance is. So, yeah, right. Scarlett needs to go to prison. Anybody that does this needs to go to prison because that's what they're doing is they're, is they're basically they're setting other people up to go to prison because these are, in some cases, when it's a hate crime, it's a federal crime. And to me, you know, the, smoke, the whole thing is laughable, you know, hey, well, he, protected the, he protected the sub-sandwich, but the sinister right. part is, is that when people make these, these kind of accusations, there is a well, his whole... real potential to destroy, and I mean literally destroy, innocent people. Because well, it's fascinating, no, too. Because it didn't happen. He swears up and down he fought back and stuff. Obviously, that's a lie. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and the two Nigerian descent uh, people that they have, have found, uh, you know, the rope, they, they basically bought clothesline at, at a local store, probably Home Depot or something. And, and of course, they had that in their in their house or their apartment where, where they where the police went to to grab their evidence. You know, so they admitted all of this. So, you know, so they admit to all of this. They, they've got the evidence in their apartment, all these different things. And Smollett is now out there trying to play victim. It's just sad that you can't believe it. It's maybe if I would have said it was a Muslim or... Or, or in India, they would have believed me and done all this. And I'm like, you piece of shit. I mean, I, it's just, yeah. it's amazing to me how far he's willing to go with this. But with that being yeah, said. The, narciss- the narcissism is how bad it is. It's this guy, right here, I, I have no doubts at this point. He's, he's willing, he's, even in the face of all this, he's, he's, it's all about him. That Absolutely. Who, who, would he, who would he have destroyed to keep his little, his, his little ruse going? That's that's the thing that just I mean, you know I think about it. My gosh, what if I was walking down the street completely innocent, showed up on a camera or something, and somebody said, "Oh, yeah, that's him, ruin him." <laughs> you know, in, in this in today's society, that is that becomes a real possibility. That's just what's so amazing and terrifying at the same time. It really, really is. Um, okay, man. That brings us to the end of the show. I know you got to jump. So, final thoughts. Oh, final thoughts. You know, I, I, as I say, I think the, the media once again, like I said, this time the media did better. And, and I always accuse them of being lazy, and of course that's going to be the case with it always and forever. I'm afraid. But in this case, like I say, they, they started to backtrack pretty quick. They had to report the Smollett thing because it came out, but. You know, it, it doesn't matter with media. Sometimes I'll say media slash entertainment. This is just another example. Is you got to be cynical. Yeah, and, and it's a terrible way to be. That we can't just take things at face value when people say something. They, you know, it's the truth. But but I think we uh, say I'm always going to tell people to be cynical when it comes to the mayor. Oh, we have a crisis. You know what? Back away from it. Let a little cynicism kick in. And then ask a question. It's like, okay, do you really need the money? What does the budget really look like? You know, and there's a lot of people doing that now because this is going to hit a lot of people pretty hard. But 
and in the end, it's like, okay, it's a crisis, four years, blah, blah, blah. Let's look at all the information we've got and say, okay, are you going to sunset it? Or are you jerking us around? You know, what are we doing here? And all that comes into, to me, all that comes down to being cynical. We have to be cynical. We have to question everything. It's a damn shame we have to question everything, but we have to question everything, whether it's a Democrat or Republican, Taylor or a scholar saying it, you got to question it. Well, I agree with that. And quite honestly, you know, we've, we've talked about a lot of things tonight, um, but I really kind of want to stick on this Jesse Smollett thing, and here's why. You know, racism exists. There's not any question in my mind about that. You know, but as far as countries are concerned, the United States is probably the least racist country in the entire world. We have done a hell of a lot to address racism. I do not think racism is anywhere near as prevalent as the mainstream keeps trying to push us to believe. And that's an intentional thing. But when I see stuff like Jesse Smollett going out, hiring two black guys, essentially, both of Nigerian descent, who obviously don't look Caucasian, to stage a criminal assault like this, and then and to do all of this because he hates a political ideology, that is very disturbing to me. Because what he has just done, he didn't hurt me. He didn't hurt the two guys that he hired to do it. They're not going to face any charges. But what he did do is hurt all of those who are true victims of racism. Any black person that goes out there and screams racism, and that's the problem with all these race baiters, your Pelosi's and everybody else screaming fuck Whitey and all of that shit. Because the, the true victims of racist crimes and everything else will never be believed. You know, they, it, it, it's, it's basically a fighting for something that's just not going to exist. Um, and, and I feel sorry for those. I feel sorry for the black people who are victims of racism. I feel sorry for the white people who are victims of racism. Anybody who is victims of racism. Uh, it's a sad state of the world that, that people like Smollett want to go ahead and destroy lives and waste valuable resources when these police could have been out taking care of serious crimes. You know, perhaps even the one where the mentally disabled teen was beaten, scalped, and live-streamed for four hours. Uh, you know, all of these things are disturbing to me. And that's what liberalism has done to this country. I hate to say it, but it is the truth. Liberals have perpetuated this notion and done this stuff to keep us divided for their own gain. And, and, and that's wrong on so many levels, I can't even begin to tell you. What I will say, though, is thanks to Jesse's smallest stupidity, and everything else, that maybe this will force a lot of these people, yep. your politicians or <laughs> some of these people in Hollywood, to learn to shut their damn mouth and let, let it play out before they jump on a bandwagon. Pelosi and them are scared to death. That's why they've all backtracked. Al Sharpton, the original guy who lies about rapes and charges and everything else concerning Tawana Bradley. All of these people, they are now realizing, oh, shit, I've got to be careful here. You know, And, and that's the thing. That's the thing. So we've got to... Hold them accountable. And, and I think, at least I hope, I think that this is going to be one of those ways that we do. Um, at least in theory. We'll find out going forward. In the meantime, that's it for tonight, folks. We appreciate yes, you being sir. here. Thank you so much for joining us, as always. Have a great week. Take care. Mr. Martin, good hearing from you. Take care. God Enjoy. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. 
I'm going to hang up this phone. And then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you.